G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. But always a special welcome along to Alex Cook, our Ask Alex segment. Alex, welcome back to 2020. Hey Neil, great to be with you again. Hey Alex, uh, we're going to talk currencies as we get things underway. So just a reminder, 1-800-316-316. If you have a money question and you want a Christian response... Talking currencies, Alex, and their relevance to us as individuals and their impact on our living standards and our investments. Our Australian dollar, it's been very volatile this past few weeks, having fallen significantly. Mm. Uh, Give us an insight here. What's going on with our Australian dollar? Mm. Yeah, so over the past two weeks, the currency's pretty much fallen from one, essentially one Aussie dollar, would buy you 69 cents two weeks ago. Now it'll only buy you about 65, or got down to 63 cents at one stage last week. Um, but it's become extremely volatile in the past two weeks. Now, currency tends to be fairly volatile anyway, but especially so in the last two weeks. Um, interestingly, though, I wouldn't actually, I'd phrase it a little bit differently in the sense that we, you know, because we're Australians, we look at it and we go, the Aussie dollar has fallen. What's actually going on around the world is that the US dollar is rising and it's rising uh, very hard against most currencies. Uh, And so that's actually putting enormous sort of pressure on economies around the world, particularly those that borrow money in the US dollars. But to me, when you see it fall so quickly like this, it's usually a warning signal that something is about to happen. So there's been a lot in the news and financial markets at the moment are very uh, volatile. Uh, so, for example, just in the last uh, couple of days, we've had the, the rumour that, you know, one major investment bank, Credit Suisse, is in a bit of trouble and uh, that it might go under. So that's, you know, a fairly big warning signal for another GFC style event. Uh, to, put, to put it in context, uh, Credit Suisse is about three times the size of Lehman Brothers that went broke in 2008 and is often, you know, referred to as the, the, the GFC trigger. So very, you know, serious issue. Um, but the other big one, and there's enormous volatility in bond markets. Now, bond markets are something people normally think of as fairly defensive, low risk, etc. Um, but the bond market, uh, particularly in the UK last week, um, their government announced uh, tax cuts. And because they've got a big inflation problem, the bond market reacted very negatively and their yields you know, shot up through the roof. Uh, so much so uh, that the central bank, so uh, the UK's central bank, had to step in uh, and buy bonds to suppress it, to actually you know, bring it back under control. So markets around the world are, are really very volatile at the moment. And uh, if you ask me, they're sending warning signals. Uh, when you see the Aussie dollar fall so sharply as it has happened in the last two weeks, that's telling you something. That's telling you uh, that the markets are getting jittery because they're concerned about something coming up in the future. Uh, and so I think there is a risk of another GFC-style event given the trouble that Europe has got itself into uh, with the war and, of course, with their energy crisis over there, which is having a massive impact 
on their economy. So, uh, yeah, interesting times ahead. So big movements in currencies up and down, and as you're saying, depending on what might be happening with the US dollar and uh, money coming from places like Europe into the US dollar, what typically is driving uh, the moves in currencies, Alex? Mm, Look, there's a range of factors that you could look at. Some are short-term and some are more longer-term. But the important thing to understand about currencies is they trade relative to each other. So if one economy is relatively stronger, you typically expect its currency uh, to be strong, like, say, the US dollar at the moment. Or if an economy is weak, you'd expect their currency to be falling. And lots lots of, you know, developing economies like that where their currencies seem to be always falling. Um, But the big thing that affects it in the short term is sentiment. So, like, if you look on a day-by-day basis, like at the moment, um, it's sentiment that has a huge impact on it. And that's what we're seeing at the moment with the US dollar rallying, uh, because typically... When you get a a sort of a crisis or markets get nervous, money floods to the US dollar. The reason for that is because A, it's the the reserve currency of the world, uh, but B, it's also the most liquid markets in the world. So money tends to flood into the US treasury market, into their bond market, uh, and that's where money goes to hide, if you like, during uh, tougher and scarier times. So that's in the short term, that kind of sentiment is a big one. Uh, In the medium term, there's other big factors that can affect it. So things like interest rates, and obviously today's an important day in Australia where we find out whether the Reserve Bank's gonna continue its rate hikes. You know, it started in May and it's done it every month since, and it's expected that it's likely that they'll do it again. But interest rates have a big impact on the currency in the sense that if if you were to compare two currencies together, let's say Australian currency versus the US dollar, then if the interest rates are higher in one than the other, money tends to flow to the one with higher interest rates. Okay, so that's that's a generalization. But in principle, why would you keep your money in Aussie dollars if the rates are 2% and when you keep it in America if the rates were 4%? So that's typically one of the factors that will affect it. Um, Australian dollar also has, I guess, a bit of its own uniqueness. Australia being obviously a massive mining country, it's uh, often referred to as a commodity currency. In other words, uh, the Australian dollar is very much impacted by the movement in commodity prices. And that's also why we tend to slump a lot when there's perceived uh, economic downturns ahead. Um, Because obviously, when you get hit a downturn, the demand for commodities, etc. slumps, you know, trade, trade dwindles, if you like, and therefore you'd expect a commodity currency like the Aussie dollar to fall. So it's it's typically what that's reflecting. Um, so really, Australian dollar is really, it's, it's ultimately going to be determined by global trade over the long term, uh, but certainly in the short term, it can whipsaw around a lot based on sentiment, and that's what we're seeing over the last two weeks as uh, markets seem to be predicting a a crisis ahead. Alex, your impression here, because a lot of listeners regularly listen to this segment. They know you've got a background uh, early years as a stockbroker. Some people make a career out of trading, whether it's stocks, uh, some trade currencies. Uh, you know, cryptocurrencies is another uh, issue that we can mm-hmm. tack onto that. But, uh, but some people would be thinking... Uh, volatile time in currencies. Is this a good time to be trading currencies, uh, owning other currencies? What are your thoughts around uh, how you might approach uh, thoughts on on making money during these situations? Mm. Yeah, look, it's a great question. Look, I 
Um, maybe it's my conservative nature, but uh, I discourage people from speculating in currencies. As I say, currencies can be very volatile. So, and I think as good stewards, we don't want to speculate with God's money. You know, speculation, you, you know, you can link it to gambling if you like. Uh, and really, as, as believers, we want to make sure that we do things um, in good faith and we, what we want to do it on the basis that we think we're making good long-term decisions with the money that God has blessed us with. Now, in saying that, there are often good reasons for us as Christians um, to hold foreign currencies. Uh, and I, I say this, um, I refer to it as holding a strategic position in a foreign currency. And, you know, for myself personally, I've held US dollars for, for well over 10 years, basically from when the Aussie dollar was back up almost parity when it was one for one with the US dollar. Um, and there's a range of reasons for doing that. Some of it's for commercial reasons, you know, because, you know, sometimes your business may earn uh, money in US dollars, you know, and actually strong US dollar at the moment is very beneficial for some Australian companies like, say, BHP, which earns a lot of its money in US dollars. So a strong currency can be good in that sense. Um, so I say for people, it can be good reasons to have a strategic position in a currency. Maybe it's for you know future vacation. There's all sorts of reasons why you might want to hold it. Um, the other thing is uh, diversification. You know, from a biblical standpoint, you know the Bible uh, says in Ecclesiastes um, chapter eleven, it says invest in uh, seven ventures yes in eight because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land now that seems seems to be implying you know almost international diversification so there is sound reasons for owning currencies beyond uh, our own uh, however as i say I would strongly discourage anyone who's thinking about speculating. You know, often you hear on radio advertisements for companies where they, you know, they'll say trade from home and you'll pay off your mortgage quicker, all that kind of thing. Uh, my experience with any of those things, they're more like get-rich schemes that are likely to mean you pay off your mortgage a lot lower, <laughs> a lot slower than anything else. So, yeah, as I say, perfectly sensible to have a strategic position, but don't don't speculate. Okay, so what sort of challenges, Alex, does the high US dollar present? Uh, I guess we could talk about personal, you can talk about national. Uh, what, what sort of challenges mm. do you think of? Well, as I say, um, the interesting thing with currencies is there's often winners and losers. So uh, I gave the example before of BHP. So many large Australian companies often have foreign earnings, you know, they invest in foreign markets and they earn US dollars on some of their uh, on some of their business activities. So as a result of that, now because the Aussie dollar is falling, when they're bringing those US dollars back and converting it back into Aussie dollars, they're actually making a greater profit than they were before, even though operationally things won't necessarily have changed. So in that sense, um, it can be beneficial. Um, but the, the, I, mean, I guess the main groups it affects is importers and exporters and where it can have a, a effect on Australian standard of living. And I guess this is, I guess this would be my concern if it was to the Aussie dollar would have fall further and to stay down would be uh, that the cost of importing goods into Australia would become more expensive. So, you know, the things that we bring in from overseas and Australia is a you know, huge importer of goods that we buy. You only have to go into, you know, Target and Kmart and see all the things that, that come in from foreign nations. Um, if the Aussie dollar was weak, all those goods become more expensive. So that, that has a big effect. Um, but the I guess the bigger concern at the moment is actually what's going on in developing countries around the world because what happens is many 
developing countries when they borrow money so they you know they got their foreign bonds they borrow money in US dollars okay because they want to most people don't want to necessarily hold the local currency of those countries so that those countries borrow in US dollars so if the US dollar is rallying and it's going up against their own currency then it becomes very hard for them to repay their debt and so we've seen this before this is where you get a, a currency crisis uh, and those countries, um, uh, you know, go into very steep downturns. And, and I think you're going to see many developing countries around the world over the next six to 12 months get themselves into a lot of trouble if they've borrowed lots of money uh, in US dollars. Um, if, that, if that's especially the case, if the US dollar remains high over the coming 12 months, which, you know, is looking increasingly likely at the moment. Now, we'll often talk about what's happening with our own personal finances, uh, say superannuation. Is there an impact here of the different currency fluctuations on our super funds? Yeah, there is, absolutely. And once again, this can be positive. So the vast majority of listeners will obviously have a bit of superannuation. Uh, and through their superannuation, they'll generally have a little bit of exposure to either the international share market. So, you know, large foreign companies like Google and Toyota and companies like that. And they may also have a bit of exposure to the international bond market. In other words, the bonds of foreign, country, uh, foreign countries. And so by default, most of us have some sort of international exposure via our super fund. Now, often the super funds will hedge that exposure. So the word hedge when it comes to the investment world means to protect. So what they'll try and do is mitigate the risk of the currency. So, for example, many international share funds will hedge their currency risk to remove the risk from the portfolio. So, in other words, you're only getting exposure to the shares themselves as opposed to the currency risk. Sometimes, though, like today, you're actually better off being unhedged because as the Aussie dollar falls, if your international shares stay the same price, then you're actually making money as the Aussie dollar falls because one day you'll sell those shares and bring them back into Australia. So it can actually be a positive. Um, it can be a negative, like back in 2001, when you had the case of international shares falling and the Aussie dollar rising at the same time. So it actually was a negative at that point in time. Um, the, the point with currency, though, in terms of your super funds, is it can have a significant short-term impact. You know, as I say, currency is very volatile. Uh, in a tough year, it might fluctuate 20 or 30%. Um, but in the long run, it makes very little difference. So the currency, you know, over a five, 10 year period shouldn't make much difference at all. But in a one year, it could make a huge difference. And the example I'd give people is if you're, you know, rewind to 2008, when we had the GFC, uh, the Aussie dollar at that time fell from 90 US cents down to 60 US cents in a fairly short period of time. So that's a what a good, good 25, 30% uh, drop in the currency. And that could obviously have a huge impact on people's investments as well. So, Alex, what are your thoughts for the future? Uh, can you predict what's happening? I mean, some nations are moving to having their own central bank digital currencies, uh, crypto-type uh, currencies created, uh, different uh, central banks. What's the future, do you think, of currencies? Sometimes as Christians, we think about, you know, biblical ideas of a, uh, a you know, a, mm. a cashless society and uh, all sorts of things end that times, can come yeah. around end times. What are your thoughts for the future mm. on currencies? 
So, look, there's probably two big things going on around the world at the moment. Um, with this crisis in Ukraine, it really is splitting the world in two. So you've kind of got the Europe and America block, and then you've got the China, Russia, India, Brazil kind of block, uh, and obviously other countries in there as well. But one of the announcements in the last couple of weeks has been between China, Russia, India, and Brazil, uh, and I think South Africa's in there as well. And they want to create a new reserve currency based on a basket of currencies. So in other words, um, the world move away from the US dollar. Now, you can understand why these countries would want to do that. You know, they probably think of the US as a bit of a bully and has been ruling the roost for a very long time. And so these countries also have enormous trading uh, with each other. You know, you've got China and India with enormous populations. Same with Brazil. Brazil's 180 million people. So the, the, the trend there is potentially these uh, countries may get together and come up with their own reserve currency. And that's what they've announced that they're planning on doing. Now, these things take time, of course, but you can see how that might uh, take place. And, of course, uh, that would de-seat, you know, the US dollar, which has been the, uh, the star for well over 50 years. Um, but the other one, and this is, I think, the much more one, uh, I guess, if you like, sinister one, potentially, uh, is central banks around the world are developing their own digital currencies, kind of similar to, you know, to Bitcoin, etc. They're building on that same sort of blockchain technology. Um, and what they want to do is essentially, as you mentioned, ultimately go completely cashless and that effectively you would have a currency that's issued by the central bank that's not paper anymore, that's purely digital. Uh, I suspect um, the way it'll play out in reality is you'll still have commercial banks that are dealing with it, um, but it will be a, a currency um, that is 100% is digital with no paper backing at all. Now, why people get concerned with it, and I think this is a very legitimate concern, is that digital currencies are programmable. So in other words, the central bank could say, right, uh, we don't want you buying beef anymore because of climate change, or, um, you know, we think you're a, you know, a, a not a, a person who's been obedient to government rules, therefore we're going to close your accounts. So there's all sorts of things that would effectively give enormous power to government. Um, so that's, the, that's the, certainly the trend. These are being developed by central banks, including the Reserve Bank of Australia, I do think we should push back on these, though. I, I think we need to keep paper currency because I think there's good reasons uh, to remain a free society that, uh, that we suggest we should keep them um, because I think it would be giving far too much power to government. Um, but nonetheless, they're all developing them and you can see um, it's a fascinating insight into the future. And, of course, you know, you could, you could see where it may end up in times. You know, the Bible says, you know, in the end times you won't be able to trade without the mark of the beast. And if you think about it, historically that hasn't really been possible. But you can see how prophecies like that will be fulfilled through things like digital currency. So, it's look, I think it's a, a fascinating time to be alive. I think we're watching the Bible sort of unfold before our very eyes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting and a great confirmation of our faith when we see all these things starting to take place. So as a Christian believer then, Alex, uh, a biblical way of thinking about currencies, uh, a final thought or two? 
Mm, look, the, the, the sort of comment I mentioned earlier is I think it's important to diversify. Uh, I don't think, as I say, we should speculate and I don't think, uh, you know, you're going to trade your way to prosperity through currency trading. Um, but I do think there is sensible practice, particularly in times like now, where it is worth owning uh, potentially foreign currencies like the US dollar, which is certainly uh, by far the strongest in tough times. As I say, it's the most liquid and like what, what's happening in Europe at the moment is money is flooding, flooding out of Europe uh, and going into the US dollar and into the US banking system. So, that's, uh, so it can be a very sensible strategic position to have. Um, and the other thing is I think uh, you know, the West has been enormously privileged over the last, you know, as I always say to clients, you know, anyone who's been born since World War II has only really known prosperity. And I think it's dangerous to assume that that prosperity will continue forever. You know, the world is getting more unstable. There are lots of challenges ahead. Uh, and so diversifying your money, I think, is the important lesson that we get from Scripture. Uh, and of course, you know, any sensible financial planner will say the same thing, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So, yeah, very interesting uh, things going on at the moment and uh, there's some good biblical ways to deal with it. Alex, great wisdom as always. And for listeners to connect with Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, you can do that on Alex's website, wealthwithpurpose.com. Lots of good free resources there, ebooks, the My Toolkit, free videos, podcast content. You can follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. There's an Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email address as well. Alex Cook, great insights. Thanks so much for your update again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure. Great to be with you as always. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.